Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, my guest is Sean Stevenson from the Model Health Show podcast. This is part two in a three-part series on sleep. Next week, you can look forward to hearing me take you on a walk as I talk about my experimentation and thoughts from these last two episodes on sleep and what caused me to focus on sleep as well as where I'm going and what I'm finding out and also kind of a closing out of the year type episode uh, followed by a real closing out of the year episode with my friend Ryan McRae of the ADHD nerd. We're going to talk about resolutions. So there you go. The next two episodes, that's a little preview, sneak preview for you. Uh, but I really hope you're going to enjoy this episode with Sean Stevenson. We're going to talk all about how to not just get more sleep, but better sleep, which will then come in handy going back to the last episode and applying getting better sleep and more sleep to your chronotype. And again, Enjoy this conversation with Sean Stevenson. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome Sean Stevenson to the show. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. I'm excited. So this is a topic that we've only covered kind of peripherally once before, which is sleep. And Mm. this is not the only thing you do. However, you have written a book specifically about it. So you're you're uniquely qualified and, and... I need more sleep. I need better sleep, actually, is more probably more accurate. And so we're going to get to the bottom of that. But why is sleep so important? Oh, my goodness. This is like the Jeopardy, like double Jeopardy question, man. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is so powerful. You know, you just said it. I, I'm actually I'm a clinical nutritionist and have been focused on hormones, nutrigenomics, all this stuff for many years. But I wrote this international best-selling book now, by the way, which is crazy to even say this because it's much needed. This was like the Achilles heel of our results, whether it's got to do with, you know, weight loss, reversing insulin sensitivity, brain function, and productivity, crazy enough. And I'm a Mm -hmm. big, and this is why I'm excited to be here, I'm a big student and fan of productivity. And I'm always looking to find ways to streamline, especially my work life. And one of the things that I cited, and there's a ton of studies, I'm a very analytical human being, I'm a scientist, but um, one of the things that I really focused on in the book was there was a study published by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine that found that poor sleep quality was equal to marijuana use and binge drinking in determining academic performance. You know, And this is the thing is, many people listening, they might not be students any longer, but we really are. That's what this whole game is about. It's about being a continuous student, the continuous learner, and being and being able to execute. And sleep deprivation literally it cripples our brains to be able to function properly. And also in the study, it reported that the college students that were worse sleepers were also more likely to earn worse grades and even to drop out of classes than the people who were healthy sleepers. And so how often are we dropping out in our goals, in our work life? And one of the things that's being kind of brought to the forefront one of the things I'm talking about a lot in media and things like that is this new term called cyber loafing. All right. It's called cyber loafing. And what this is basically is that when you're supposed to be working on that project, you're supposed to be working on that landing page or whatever the case may be. And you're just like, oh, and finally you find yourself opening up Twitter for a few minutes or you find yourself opening up Facebook or Instagram for just a few minutes. And the next thing you know, you get sucked into the Internet black hole. 
And it's like 30 minutes later, an hour later, like, what? what's wrong with me? You know, in this cyber loafing, what they found was that basically every hour of poor sleep quality correlated with a 20% greater incidence of cyber loafing. So each each of those segments of, uh, of time loss uh, resulted in more and more of you getting off track and doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. And by big, big amounts. And you know this, you know, in those days when you're not really feeling rested, you're much easier to just kind of daydream and drift off and do other stuff that's not as important. So that's one thing. I want to share one other study. Um, this one I, I like to bring up as much as possible because it's important for many areas of our life. But uh, there was a study and it's published in The Lancet. And this was looking at a group of physicians. This was actually done on physicians who need to be incredibly productive for lives, right? And so they took physicians and they had them to complete a task, right? So they had them to do a task. Then they sleep deprived them, all right? So they sleep deprived them for just 24 hours. They had them to come back and do the same exact thing. And what happened was pretty incredible. They actually made 20% more mistakes doing the same exact thing. And it took them 14% longer to complete the task, do the same exact thing. And so a lot of us thinking we are productive, we're thinking that we're plugging away, we're doing more work, not understanding that we're sacrificing the quality of our work. There's a difference between doing work and actually being effective. And that's what I want people to really realize because a lot of times we're creating problems for ourselves. Like they made 20% more mistakes. We were talking about, especially in the realm of, you know, physicians or healthcare providers or our, our, our public safety individuals, you know, who are doing that kind of work. If you make a mistake, this could be somebody's life at stake, you know? So for you, it might not be your life at stake. It might be a sacrifice in your business, but this can influence your bottom line in a big way, you know? And so I really want to get people tuned in to the fact that this whole concept out there, and I've talked to these people, I've hung out with Gary Vaynerchuk. I've hung out with, you know, Eric Thomas, the world's top motivational speaker who's flying all over the world and all this stuff. I'm telling you now, the story that you're getting from them isn't the full story. And they know this. Mm-hmm. You know, Gary has made a big shift over to focusing more on his health and getting better sleep, making sure his nutrition is right, exercising, all this stuff because he's playing the long game now. Now he is, you know. Yeah. And same thing with Eric Thomas. You know, he makes sure he, he accidentally was getting sleep in what we call the money zone, uh, which is specific hours of sleep that you can uh, that are based on kind of our chronological like uh, evolutionary biology. He was getting that sleep and he was just crushing it when he was awake. So there's just a couple of things to get people to lean in and listen a little bit closer and understand just how much your sleep quality impacts your productivity. Well, I know more than just for myself, but also for my audience, I, we've never heard that that term, uh, what was it again, cyber loafing, but we've yep. definitely done it. Yep. And, uh, I, we've ne- and, and I know that we, didn't know, we had no idea that – because I know that's one of the things that comes up as I've asked people, like, okay, how do you like block out those Facebook and those Twitter and those you know the social media distractions from your work and you know just browsing hours on end, not hours on end, but like chunks of time that that get eaten away. I had no idea sleep, lack of sleep, or poor sleep uh, contributed to that. Yeah, it's it's kind of mind blowing, but then it's just if we just are able to zoom out and look at this rationally, we know this. You know, we know how we feel when we're not well rested. And this is when we start to lean on other behaviors, you know, like um, really leaning heavily on caffeine and stimulants and energy drinks and things like that, that are only exacerbating the problem, you know. So uh, one of the things that I talk about and I, 
I'm a fan of caffeine. Full disclosure. Oh Let yeah, just same make here. That clear. I, I love caffeine. I love the goodies that they're packaged in, whether it's chocolate or 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 tea or whatever the case might be. For thousands of thousands of years, humans have had a great resonance, and and caffeine has an interesting resonance with the human body and how it impacts um, the specific receptor sites. Which I'm not going to get into all the the nerdy stuff unless you want to. But uh, here's the bottom line: is that caffeine in this particular study I cited in the book, it has a half life of about eight hours. All right. So what that means is, if you have a 300 uh, milligram coffee, which is kind of common if you just go and get like the general cup of coffee at Starbucks or something like that. Eight hours later, so by having a half-life, eight hours later, half of it is still active in your system. So 150 milligrams, that is enough to light your system up, like light your nervous system up like a Christmas tree. And if you're trying to get some sleep, you might be so exhausted that you physically pass out and you're unconscious, but that amplitude of your nervous system firing is going to prevent you from going into proper your proper stages of sleep. So this is what I really want to focus on for people is it's not necessarily about sleeping more. It's about sleeping better. It's about getting higher quality sleep, sleeping smarter, making sure that your brain, your nervous system, your endocrine system are all online doing their proper job so that you can wake up and actually feel great rather than waking up feeling like a like a dirty, holy, sweaty, musty sock. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so that's really what the real goal is. And, and almost, it's almost in a sense, if, if you go uh, reverse metaphor here, like if you were wanting to lose weight, which I know it's it, that physical activity is also a key part in this, but if, if somebody was just going to go on a diet and eat less calories in the same way that someone wants to get more sleep, it's not just about getting less calories, it's about getting the right food, you know? Yes. So it's about getting the right sleep. Oh my goodness. You just said it so perfectly. Because today, and I love this, and I love that you're even saying that, in our culture today, we're really, it's coming to the forefront that it's not about calories, right? Calories do matter, but it's really the quality of those calories. Mm -hmm. And what the real bottom line is, and I've been teaching this for almost 15 years now, is that it really boils down to what those calories are doing to your hormones. Your hormones are these kind of chemical messengers that communicate information between all the cells, cells in your body. And so your hormones are literally telling all of your cells what to do. And if your hormones get thrown off, your whole system gets thrown off. And so 200 calories of broccoli impacts your hormones radically different than 200 calories of Twinkies, right? It's <laughs> totally different what happens with insulin, with leptin, with ghrelin, with cortisol, all this stuff. And all of those things are influenced by everything that you eat. And in the same vein, so many people today are getting low-quality Twinkie sleep, right? They think that they're getting enough calories in or time on the mattress, but the quality of their sleep sucks because their melatonin is suppressed, cortisol levels are too high. And we could talk about some of those things today and how to reverse those things, of course, but we've mistaken, again, this cookie-cutter idea that these experts over the years have been saying, you just need to get seven to eight hours of sleep. That's not true. It's not true. You know, many. First of all, it depends on you and your lifestyle, it can literally change next week how much sleep you need. It could be less, it could be more, depending on your lifestyle. But also, what tends to happen is that people, is the longer that they spend on the mattress, the more time they can accidentally hit those cycles, basically. So a great example of this in regards to body transformation and weight loss, because that's a real visceral thing for people mm -hmm. that we can kind of grab. So the University of Chicago 
did a study and it was so good, such a great study. And what they did was they, what you said earlier, it was calorie restricted diet. They put the individuals in a study on a calorie restricted diet. Like I was taught in a traditional university to do for clients, for patients, which isn't the right way to go about it the majority of the time, but this is what they did to monitor their fat loss. And at this phase of the study, they allowed them to get eight and a half hours of sleep and they monitored this. Another phase of the study, they had them on the same exact diet. They didn't cut any more calories. They didn't have them exercise more, but they sleep deprived them. And now they're getting five and a half hours of sleep. At the end of the study, they found that the individuals who were well rested, getting eight and a half hours of sleep, lost 55% more body fat. Jeez. 55%. That you cannot get those kind of results by kicking your like kicking your butt in the gym all the time or uh, beating yourself down, counting calories all the time. It is absolutely mind blowing for people to find out just how much sleep influences your body composition because it impacts your body composition and your appearance more so than diet and exercise combined. How is that even possible? Well, this is when your body actually changes from all that stuff. Your body changes from the workout when you're asleep. Your body changes from all that great nutrition, assimilates nutrients and get res- gets rid of uh, metabolic waste products while you're asleep. This is when the real transformation happens. But if you're not getting that qu- high quality sleep, you're missing out on a huge leverage point. You know, So I just want to share that as well because if it isn't productivity, then everybody wants to look good and feel good. Mm-hmm. And you deserve that. And really, if you can focus in and on optimizing your sleep, again, not necessarily sleeping more, but just making sure you're getting higher quality sleep, it can change the game for you. Yeah. Isn't there some other study? I'm, I'm trying to think if, if this is true or not. There was some study where they were exercising properly and they were eating properly, but then of the two groups, they they sleep-deprived one of them and the other they didn't. And even with those two other factors, which you'd think yep. are like the bigger factors, it, it still made a huge difference and the sleep was the main factor. Exactly. Yeah. There was a study that was published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal that was just like that, that, you know, diet and exercise combined, same exact diet, same exact exercise program. One group was sleep deprived, one wasn't. The sleep deprived group lost far less weight and far less body fat. It's just, it's kind of right there in black and white. Yeah. So do you think in terms of somebody's really wanting, I mean, I know this is a productivity show, but even if somebody's wanting to go at productivity, but say their productivity is lacking and they know that probably they should be getting maybe more sleep, first of all, first of all <laughs> because they're maybe getting three, four, five hours a night at most. Yeah. But, but then on top of that, they know they need to be getting better sleep. Would you say that it's more important to really start here than with like diet and exercise? Although those play a part and probably mm-hmm. would cascade into that really quickly. Yeah, that's the thing. You just said it right there. You know, uh, Many people, when they're working to get to that place, they're using willpower alone and really dragging themselves to eat healthy, to work out because they're tired, you know? And what's so crazy is that when you sleep well, you actually feel well and you feel much more inclined to do those other things. And I've got the research to back that up. One of those things specifically, um, Stanford University found that sleep deprived individuals had far less production of our satiety hormone called leptin, right? So when you're sleep deprived, you're not producing that satiety hormone as much that keeps you from like crushing that bag of Doritos or those cupcakes or whatever it is, you know, the donuts at the office. When you feel satisfied, when leptin is produced probably in your system, it's just not a big deal. You know, that's really where I want people to be and what I've done to be successful in my practice is let's make it so it's not a big deal. 
you know, to not eat Halloween candy. All right. Yeah. You know, it's not a big deal, but you can if you want to, you can enjoy it or choose to do, you know, these small things whenever you want to. You choose to rather than it governing and, and driving you to do it. So, yeah, that's the big thing is really helping people to stack conditions in their favor so that this is more on automatic and not a big struggle, because that's really at the end of the day, nobody wants to constantly try to think about what they're going to eat and trying to exercise and all those things. But really, yeah, like you said, you know, sleep at the end of the day, this is, and it's so crazy. I wouldn't have, I would have not said these things 10 years ago in my practice. I just wasn't thinking about it, even though my sleep quality was so poor when I was going through my own health issues back when in my early twenties. And because I got my sleep to be so great, I just forgot about it. And that's what I want people to be able to experience as well, that because once your sleep is great, you just feel great and you don't think about it anymore. When you're truly healed from from something, you no longer you no longer think about it and pine over it. But when you don't feel well, it's on your mind all the time. You know, and for so many people, people don't do well because they don't feel well. And we all have the opportunity and the and the right to feel our best. And it's just structuring our life a little bit differently with more intention because we all have the same 24 hours. It's just how we structure things. I, I have kids. <laughs> I have kids. I have three kids. I know all the stories, man. I also have books. I have a show. I travel all over the place speaking. I have a website. I uh, um, What else do I do? I do so much stuff, man. I had a clinic for 10 years, you know, like on and on and on. I, we all have the same 24. And it's just Utilizing some of these strategies we're going to talk about to really set yourself up for success. Yeah. So let's talk about that. These strategies, I see them as kind of falling into two different like categories here. One is stuff that you do or set up about yourself, your your own uh, – your internal self in terms of how you prepare your mind, your body, and even your heart you know, emotionally, all that kind of stuff. And then there's the environment where you do the sleeping and you prepare that environment. So let's, let's start with ourselves first and then let's move into the environment. Wow. Yes. I love that. So you just said it, starting with ourselves. Um, there are certain things that we can do with our own activities and our own approach to things that can radically improve our sleep quality. And this is the big headline for today is that a great night of sleep starts the moment that you wake up in the morning. Okay, a great night of sleep starts the moment that you wake up in the morning. So everything you do specifically in those, those early morning hours sets the template, literally sets your circadian rhythm, your cortisol rhythm for the rest of the day and how you're going to sleep that night. And this is going to be a little bit, a little bit counterintuitive for some of us. So number one, the, getting sun exposure at a certain time has been clinically proven to uh, enhance and improve your sleep quality at night. So let me share specifically. So uh, Innovations in Neuroscience, the journal Innovations in Neuroscience found that when you get sun exposure in the early morning between 6 a.m. and 8.30 a.m., all right, just 10 to 20 minutes, what they discovered was that your cortisol rates, which cortisol is the most anti-sleep hormone that we can talk about, but your cortisol levels drop even lower in the evening when you get sun exposure in the morning, all right? So cortisol and melatonin, this sleep hormone everybody knows about today, yeah. they have an inverse relationship. So that means when cortisol is elevated, 
Melatonin is like in the ground floor. They kind of battle for position in your body. And so if your cortisol is too high, melatonin is not getting produced in its greatest capacity. And so again, you can go to sleep and be physically passed out. But if melatonin isn't raising to the place it needs to be, your your sleep quality, basically your sleep cycle. So this is like the different brainwave frequencies that are going to tell you which hormones to produce, enzymatic, uh, reparative enzymes, things like that. That whole game is going to get thrown off. So getting some sun exposure in the early morning. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people working in the office, they don't think about this and they're not doing it because especially entrepreneurs who work from home, just not thinking about it, just kind of get it plugged in. We wake up, we get on our phone, start doing emails and eventually we get some coffee, we go pee. I don't know. Like we're just kind of dragging our way through and trying to be productive, get into our day instead of doing the things going to set you up for even more success. Yeah. So how do we do this? Well, I've got a bunch, I mean, we could just do the whole show talking about this one thing, but there are a bunch (laughs) of strategies on how to leverage this, but I'll just tell you this. I mentioned earlier, 10 to 20 minutes, it can be a little bit more challenging. Like right now we're in the Midwest, you know, so it's, uh, the temperatures change, it's getting a little bit cooler, even getting light. And I cited some studies in, in the book on office workers exposed to natural light from windows, even getting some natural light coming in through windows Getting it, you know, through your optical receptors can help a lot. Best thing, best case scenario is getting the sunlight directly on your skin. And the darker your complexion, the more sunlight you're actually going to need because that melanin is like built in sunscreen. All right. So you might need 20 to 30 minutes. All right. So we want to start to structure our life to make sure we get at least 10 minutes of sun exposure because it, number one, reduces cortisol at night. Number two, it increases your cortisol in the morning. Why is that a good thing? Cortisol is not a bad guy. It's just when it gets produced at the wrong time okay. or in the wrong amounts that it can be a problem. And so by getting your cortisol elevated in the morning, if we look at evolutionary biology, your cortisol should be peaked super high at its highest point between the hours of 6 a.m. and about 8.30 a.m., funny enough. And gradually it declines and drops and bottoms out in the evening. That's how it that's how it's designed to be, how you're designed to be. Clinically, I would see people who are, we call them tired and wired, where their cortisol was too low in the morning, thus they had a horrible time trying to get out of bed, and their cortisol is too high at night. And so even though they know that I, you know, I should be getting to bed, but they're just wired, and so they just keep on doing more and more stuff. And so sun exposure helps to reset that cortisol rhythm. Last thing is it increases your body's uh, serotonin levels. That's you can, you can buy stuff that can do the same thing, but you might get arrested, all right? <laughs> you might you could buy some illegal stuff that could do some of these same benefits that sunlight exposure can do, but this will impre- increase your body's production of serotonin. Why does this matter? Serotonin is a precursor for melatonin. So eventually it will get converted into the sleep hormone that you need to get that great sleep, all from getting a little bit of sun exposure, all right? So that's number one. I'm going to throw in one more morning activity here. And there's, you know, again, there's 21 strategies that I talk about with Sleep Smarter. But yeah. this is so simple, the super low-hanging fruit. But Appalachian State University did a study, and they had exercisers to train at three different times to see the impact that it has on sleep quality. All right. One phase of the study, they had them exclusively work out at 7 a.m. in the morning, which is in that kind of cortisol sweet spot we talked about. They, another phase of the study, exclusively, they had them work out at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Another phase of the study, exclusively, they worked out at 7 p.m. at night. 
they discovered that the morning exercisers spend more time in the deepest, most anabolic stages of sleep. Some people up to 75% more time. That's 75% more time in the stage of sleep where you're producing more growth hormone, you know, this youth hormone that makes you stronger and more energetic. Um, they also found that they had more efficient sleep cycles and morning exercisers had a 25% greater drop in blood pressure at night, which is, um, that's correlated with something called your parasympathetic nervous system where your quote, it's called the quote, rest and digest nervous system activation, okay, right? And yeah. turning off the fight or flight. So super powerful stuff. If we can leverage and get just five to 10 minutes of exercise in the morning. And I did an experiment before the book came out and worked out exclusively in the afternoon, which I hadn't done, like I've been working on the morning for maybe 10 years prior to that, to see the impact that it would have if I worked out in the afternoon and still did five to 10 minutes of exercise in the morning. Because a lot of people are worried about their schedule and a lot of people are also worried about their performance and their gains with their workouts. Everything still improved for me. That little five to 10 minutes in the morning didn't impact my workouts later. So I just want to throw that out there. People are like, well, this is the time I have to get to the gym. You don't have to go to the gym. Just do five to 10 minutes of exercise in the morning at home if this isn't your gym time. And, uh, you know, this could be rebounding with like using a little mini trampoline. I love that. It's something I keep in my office. Do uh, Tabata, which is 20 seconds, of ex- 20 seconds of exercise and 20 seconds of rest repeated back to back for about four minutes. And then do some stretching. Uh, you can go for a power walk, listen to a podcast like this one. Yeah. You know, I call it learn and burn. Um, just do something to get that cortisol elevated in the morning, get your heart rate elevated, and it's going to pay off dividends when you go to bed at night. Full disclaimer for this last piece really quickly for, for 10 seconds here is these things work. These are clinically proven to work. But if you do these things and then 1 o'clock in the morning you're watching Daredevil it's not going to have an impact. Like that's going to cancel things out significantly, you know? So it's this overarching strategies, like having these things in place and doing a few other things with your environment and your activities later in the evening that can really set you up for that amazing sleep. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So let's go into this watching daredevil thing because I would assume that if you did get up at the right time and got out there and got that sunlight and you got that even brief workout in that you're going to feel tired way before that one o'clock. And so if yeah. you hit that window, right, you will go down and you'll stay down. Yes. More likely. Yes, absolutely. You know, this is, here's the thing though. We, we can easily be stimulated as humans. We're, we're <laughs> okay. very resilient Yes, and things can like turn us on. What happens is it's something called the energy second wind, right? Where you are tired and it's like, you know, you're driving home, maybe it's seven o'clock at night and you're yawning. You're like, I'm going to get better early. I'm exhausted. And then 11 o'clock rolls around and you're up, you're on the computer. Maybe you're watching YouTube videos or you're watching TV or doing work. And all of a sudden you feel wide, wide awake again, you know? And so this is called the energy second wind. And I actually break that down. This is a, it's a response from your, from your metabolism and these enzymes that are released in the evening for the purpose of repairing your body and your brain while you're sleeping. Now they're being used to keep you awake, all right? You dipped into this supply that is now keeping you awake. So, and also when we talked about earlier with melatonin and cortisol, so exposure at night to like, and again, uh, Daredevil is awesome. It's like the best show, all right? Um, whatever it is you're into, House of Cards, I don't know if that's still on, or Scandal, whatever you're doing, all right? 
we could still enjoy those things. We just have to put them in their proper perspective, their proper place. And I'm going to share some hacks with you. But what Harvard researchers have, have confirmed is that exposure specifically to blue light from our devices, which that is the strongest light coming from your television, coming from your laptop, coming from your cell phone. So what they confirmed was, number one, it suppresses melatonin for basically what they found was that every hour you're on your device at night, every hour suppresses your melatonin for 30 minutes. All right. So if you're on your device for three hours at night, that's one and a half hours. Your melatonin is not kicking in. All right. And again, we're going to bed and we're thinking, oh, I'm just going to get I'm going to get my seven hours of sleep. And it's not so you're not actually getting that quality sleep that you think you're getting because you're not producing melatonin. They found that all light isn't created equal in this, though, that blue light was twice as suppressive to melatonin and, and disruptive to your sleep cycle than green light. And they found that red light was negligible. It didn't really impact your melatonin that much at all. So that's a, it's something that gives us a, a hint to what kind of light exposure we can use in the evening. And so, Eric, you know, a, a lot of people don't really think about this, but we've only had these devices like computers like readily available for like a couple of decades, like yeah. for, you know, like I remember a time that computers weren't even like a thing, right? It was like something you see on, um, you know, like Star Trek or something. Yeah. Like, oh, and there was a bunch of fake buttons like on, uh, you know, on on um, Darth Vader's chest, like, <laughs> yes. got, like a little computer or whatever. Yeah, the chiclets cool. that are glued on. Right. It's not even real, you know, so, but it's only been a couple of decades. But period, even with television, it's only been like within you know, our, our grandparents' lifetime, you know, that these things have been around. If throughout hum, humanity, like the evolution of humanity, we've only got like a blink of an eye that we've been able to manufacture a second daytime. And we're not getting that natural day or our light and dark cycle. And our bodies are craving darkness in the evening. But if we were to have light exposure in the evening, it was what color? Fire, that color. So mm -hmm. that reddish, orangish, yellowish, and so what we can do is we can utilize some hacks here. And so I encourage everybody to do this like right now. All right. You could pause the podcast or, you know, you could do this after podcast either way. But we'll be here when you get back. But here's the thing. Number one, Apple on all of their new devices, their iPhones, iPads, they've included a blue light blocking device in the tool section of all their devices. And even if you have an older phone, you got an iPhone 5, whatever it is, iPhone 1. Whoever is out there has got the dinosaur phone. I don't know. <laughs> you, if the latest iOS update, you now have that tool on your phone that pulls out the most troublesome melatonin crushing light from your screen. Why would a multi-billion dollar company like Apple do that? They don't do it for no reason. I mean, everything they do is have a, has a specific purpose. And what it is, there's so much more data coming out showing that this blue light exposure at night is number one, it's wrecking our sleep quality. It's leading to higher rates of cancer, higher rates of heart disease, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, obesity, crazy stuff that they're, again, they're doing this for a purpose. They don't wanna be the ones to blame, really. That's what we're looking at here. Because the World Health Organization has come out and said that sleep deprivation, specifically being up in the evening working, is a class 2A carcinogen, right? It's a cancer-causing agent to be up at night. People don't hear that. You don't hear that in the, in the, in the media. Right, what's going on? Why is that? Well, melatonin, not only is it a powerful sleep hormone, but it's also a powerful anti-cancer hormone. And if you're not producing it because you're exposed to light at night, 
we've got a serious problem. You know, and so the nurses study that I cited in, in the book uh, found 30% greater incidence of breast cancer for the nurses who work the night shift. Ah, so wow. back to the back to the point. So bottom line to wrap this point up, use uh, hacks like the and it's called night shift on your iPhone yeah. and your in your Apple device for your desktop and laptops. Right now, go to Dr. Google, go to Dr. Google, type in F dot L U X flux. Oh, F dot I, I love flux. I love flux. I bet, man. Like I'll put, the, I'll put so the link in the show notes. Trust me. So many people over the years, I've been using flux for probably three years, but even people who are dealing with migraines and things like that would just message me and say that flux has helped so much with their sleep quality, reducing headaches, things like that, the eye strain. So it cools off your screen. And same thing, it pulls that most troublesome spectrum of light out of your de- desktop laptops. Automatically, it's super easy to install. If you need to look at a design or something, a landing page while you're working, you can just click to um, to to uh, disable it, click it right back on. It's set it and forget it. It's amazing, all right? So Flux, another thing for the ambient light at night. And also, if you want to stay up late and a little bit later, you know, you put your kids to bed and you want to stay and watch your show with your significant other, it's not that you can't do that. But you need to if you if sleep is your priority and you want to feel good and crush your day the next day, you can utilize some blue light blocking glasses or blue light blocking shades. And there are some really cool looking ones and there are some that are pretty ugly. All right. (laughs) But, you know, and I've experimented with all this stuff. So these are just some other little hacks that you can use. But the best thing, bottom line, outside of the hacks, because we can hack ourselves to death, is give yourself a screen curfew. You know, give yourself some time to not be on your device before you go to bed. And this is more getting back in touch with what we're designed for. Like human, the human brain is always looking for patterns and neuro associations. We get ready for work. We get ready to take our kids to school. We get ready to go to parties, but we don't get ready to go to bed anymore. You know, so that whole process can create like an evening ritual and creating a sleep sanctuary as well, which we could touch on. But that's the real, real key here is giving yourself some time to be off of the device, connect with other people, you know, do some physical reading of a book, uh, you know, play some games. That might be something a little bit more interesting than Instagram, hopefully. But, you know, you got to fill that space with something that's more valuable than the device, which it's kind of hard to do sometimes today. Yeah, I hear you. Well, and that's the other key pieces. So we're, we've, we've got a, like a caffeine curfew and we've got a, a screen curfew. And those are good for us to set ourselves up. But then let's move into this sleep sanctuary idea. Well, how do we set up our sleep area to be where it's most optimal for us? Perfect. So our bedroom, what's so crazy is, you know, for many of us, we spend one third of our life in our bedroom, you know, specifically in our bed. That's a that's like a lot. That's like a lot of years. Right. If our expected, if we're expecting like we're going to live 90 years, 30 years, you're on that mattress. That's crazy. Yeah. So you want to make sure that that is serving you and not creating problems for you. All right. So we're going to talk about the environment in the bedroom specifically. So um, we want that bedroom to be because, again, we're all about these neuro associations. Your brain is looking for patterns. So if your bedroom has been a place where you go and watch television Even if you go into your bedroom with the intention of going to bed, neurons in your brain are going to be firing expecting to watch TV. All right. These synaptic clefts and the the, um, myelin that's been laid down. You've got these pathways that's looking and they're firing to watch television. Right. We've created this neuro association or especially even a bigger crime is doing your work in your bedroom. 
should never bring your work into bed with you, all right? So you want to make sure that your bedroom is for sleep and sex. It's for those two things primarily, all right? Now, uh, we want to make sure we get the devices out of our room for that purpose, number, number one. Number two, the electromagnetic frequencies, electromagnetic noise that for years, like it was just kind of dismissed in popular culture by like sham scientists that these things aren't affecting us which is totally crazy. It's absolutely insane because even on a uh, cell phone, like if you actually read some of the warnings, it'll tell you don't put it up to your head. Like <laughs> all, it's, I cannot believe it. It's just like right there in black and white because those signals and, you know, and I, I cited a bunch of research, like solid, solid research showing greater incidence of midbrain tumors the more that people are on their cell phones. And specifically, it's happening more and more in younger populations because kids are born into this now. We remember time when there weren't cell phones, but the more and more exposure that they're having, they're finding these inoperable tumors are showing up. And man, it's just, it's really something that we need to be more aware of. And so get those devices out of your bedroom. It doesn't have any place in your bedroom. I promise you the world is not gonna end. And if it does, I'll text you. And uh, you probably won't get it anyways. So just understand, we want to create a, a sanctuary, get those devices out. One more thing I want to share is that we want to make sure that the environment is cool and dark. Cool and dark. So your body has a process called thermoregulation. And this is a natural drop in your core body temperature. Every single night, if your body is working metabolically correct, there's a drop in your core body temperature to facilitate sleep. Your body cools off automatically to facilitate sleep and it activates programs related to sleep and repair. If, you're, if your body has to fight to cool itself down because the environment is too hot, it's a problem, all right? So according to research, between 62 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit is the ideal temperature for optimal sleep. And for some people, they might hear that and like, that is so cold, it's ridiculous. You can still use your covers and all that stuff and I promise you're gonna sleep better and also you can have a strategy because for a lot of people, it's more so the waking up in the morning and it's cold. Just have your significant other, whatever, hop out of bed and turn the heat on for you, you know? And so that's what I do with my wife because she's more of a cold body person. I'm warm body, excuse me. And even this morning, she's like, you know, what's the deal? You know, cause I didn't turn the heat on. Yep. And so, um, but I'm getting up in the morning and I turn the heat on for her so she can hop out of bed and not feel like, you know, it's a winter wonderland or whatever, but she sleeps so much better. She knows it, you know, there's no... Like we have a greater tendency to be sweating and really specifically it's our head. It's your brain that doesn't want to be hot. That's why that cool pillow feels good. You know, when you flip that pillow oh, over. I always yeah. wondered that. <laughs> That's why it's a thing, you know, cooler than the other side of the pillow. It's a thing. And so there's actually a study that found that insomniacs, when they put a cooling cap on them, that just it was just a one degree uh, lower temperature, They every single person across the board had improved um, sleep onset. So they fell asleep faster and they stayed asleep longer to the degree that on average in the study, they fell asleep faster than people that didn't have insomnia. Crazy. Just by cooling off their head. So make sure it's cool. Make sure that it's dark. Cornell University found that even in a relatively, it was a dark environment, the test subject, they put a light, a fiber optic uh, cable, fiber optic cable the size, and it was just the size of a quarter, this light behind their knee while they slept. And that was enough to disrupt their sleep cycle. All right. Your skin picks up light. This is how you tan, you know, like your skin actually has photoreceptors 
that pick up light and it sends messages to your brain and nervous system that, hey, it could be like the sun is coming up, it's date, I don't know. And it throws off your hormones. So get your room as dark as possible. Um, if you live in, especially if you live in an urban or suburban area where there's like street lights outside, porch lights and cars driving up and down the street, definitely want to get some blackout curtains. I would highly, highly recommend that. If you live in more of a, a area where they don't have all that stuff going on, it's artificial light, not natural light from the moon and stars, things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Humans have evolved with that kind of light exposure, but I'm talking about artificial light. So get yourself some blackout curtains. For me, of everything that I've talked about thus far, when I got those blackout curtains the very first time when I did live in more of a, a, a city environment or, you know, like the kind of suburban neighborhood, when I got those blackout curtains, my goodness, man, it turned into like, it was like a sleep cave. You know, I got the deepest sleep I'd had in a long time. And I've been a big advocate of that ever since. That's awesome. So we talked a little bit about what you can do for yourself as well as for your environment, your sleep environment. I have this one nagging question, though, that I got to ask. What about naps? First question would be to pose to anybody is, are you a baby? Are you or are you not a baby? And if you are, in fact, not a baby anymore, then it's not advantageous or something that's really necessary for you to take naps. Now, that full disclosure, a good nap is a good nap. You know, a good like Sunday afternoon, lazy day nap or, you know, even a power nap every now and then, it's all good. But what naps tend to be is a supplement to poor quality sleep, mm. right? So that's what we really need to understand is that we want to make sure that our sleep quality isn't compromised so that we absolutely need to have a nap or we're just not any good. We don't want to live like that, you know? And so like today, for example, I've been, it's, um, you know, it's getting close to four o'clock here. And I've been up doing my thing, you know, helping my kids get to where they need to be. And actually, I got one kid uh, who didn't have school today. And so I've been dealing with that, dealing with my work, doing interviews, writing, all this stuff, you know, uh, sending some emails. And I feel amazing. I feel amazing all day. I haven't had any type of lull in my energy or need to, to take a nap. You know, of course, there's like higher energy moments and just kind of baseline. Mm -hmm. But your baseline changes right, with getting higher quality sleep, and you don't have those drops. And so naps, what they can do is kind of force a hormonal secretion, a hormonal switch, which in some cases, like, we really do need it, man. Like, if somebody's, like, training, you know, three hours a day, and then they've got all this workload and all this stuff, and absolutely, a nap can be a supplement. You know, it could be something that's advantageous. But in general, we don't want to force our body to, uh, to go into a different hormonal shift if we don't want it to in, in the wrong time. So a good nap is a good nap every now and then, but we don't want to create a situation where we're not getting great sleep quality at night and so that we need to take a nap or we're just not any good to the world. Okay. So we could and should probably in the long run focus on getting the quality sleep in the evenings when we should and the naps won't be as necessary or at all. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But a nap, a good nap. Again, we'll yeah. disclose again. Yes, a good nap is a good nap. Or even if, if you don't fall asleep, taking a good 15, 20 minutes to close your eyes yes. and quiet the world, Yeah, still some benefit there too. Tons of benefit, tons yeah. of benefit. I talk about that in breathing exercises, meditation, all that stuff, clinically proven to help sleep quality as well. Awesome. Sean, this is not even – this is like the tip of the, the sleep iceberg or the sleep hack iceberg. There's so much more in your book. Let's point people to that and to your site and to your awesome podcast. 
Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so my the show, the podcast that you can listen to where you're listening to this awesome episode here with Eric is uh, you can check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. And it's called The Model Health Show, The Model Health Show. And I'm very, very honored to say that we've been featured as number one in the United States dozens of times in nutrition and fitness and also number one in health as well. And uh, we've got a lot of amazing episodes, like master classes on different subject matter, ranging from, um, you know, natural treatments for diabetes to obviously lots of great stuff on sleep as well, uh, weight loss hacks, things like that. So lots of great stuff there. We have a great time. So you can check that out. Also, the website is themodelhealthshow.com. We've got videos of the episodes. I do some pretty epic articles there as well. And all my social media, you can catch up with me there. And you can find Sleep Smarter at any of your favorite bookstores, Barnes & Noble, your independent bookstores, or online, Amazon.com. And actually, Amazon now has a physical store now, apparently. Uh, One of your past guests, Pat Flynn, sent me a text, and he saw my book in the Amazon store, which I had no idea about, which is so cool to see. Um, So you can check it out there. Or little cool thing that I don't tell people about enough is my wife has just been like, basically yelling at me because I don't talk about it enough. But I did a lot of work before the book came out and really kind of beat myself down a little bit to get this done before I went on the book tour. Uh, I created 21 videos for each chapter. So each chapter has a corresponding video that you get for free at sleepsmarterbook.com when you get, get the book there. So you can actually get that bonus of the 21 uh, bonus videos that go along with each of the 21 strategies in Sleep Smarter. Very cool. Yeah, I'll have to make sure to link all of this up in the show notes for this episode. Sean, this has been awesome, and I can't wait to get some better sleep, and and everybody else hopefully out there too. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thank you for asking awesome questions, and uh, it's, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Eric. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation, and I really hope that you got something out of this, even just one piece of advice or guidance from Sean in this episode could make a huge difference in your sleep life. And a huge difference in your sleep life will make a huge difference in your day life and your productivity. Trust me, I'm already finding that to be true for myself. So make sure to go grab his podcast, The Model Health Show, and two, his Sleep Smarter book to dive even deeper and to go into stuff about how to get more sleep, better sleep, etc. than we even covered here in this conversation. Thanks again for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode where I take you on a walk with me to talk about sleep. It's a sleepwalk. See you next episode. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.